deliver me from unreasonable attacks. You break down that wall of separation. You laugh at the plots of the wicked. You give me wisdom and knowledge. You enlighten my understanding. You make a way in the wilderness. You make the crooked places straight. You multiply my seed sown. You rebuke the devourer for me. You give me angelic assistance. You cover me with your blood. You give me inner strength. I uphold, you uphold the righteous. You restore my soul. You heal my body. Lord, you fight my battles. Isn't that exciting? And then it says, therefore, I will enter into your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. And then on the backside, there's all kinds of praise scriptures. So it just fits so nice in your Bible. But the battle is the Lord's. Amen. Amen. Angela, would you like to have one of these? Benji gave me your recipe tonight. (laughs) (laughs) So that's on the back table. And then, I don't remember if I had this last time or not, it's called Guidelines Praying for the Sick. This is an awesome book, but uh, if you do prayer ministry, or even if you don't do, I mean, hospital ministry, but the point is we're all called to lay hands on the sick and pray for the sick, amen? So the first chapter talks about uh, time of preparation. You don't want to go and pray for the sick at the hospital when you're just coming off the golf course. You need to have some time of preparation. You need to have your heart sensitive to what the Lord is wanting you to do. And then God's will and his ways. The more you understand the will and the ways of God, the more confident you are when you're sharing the gospel with people because they need to know that you are fully persuaded that by his stripes you are healed. And then it talks about those needing prayer because there's different categories of people. Not everybody is on the same place that you are. So you need to understand the different types of people that are going to be needing prayer. And then I talk about why some don't receive healing. That's a very powerful chapter because you need to understand why some don't receive healing. And then there's a chapter on locating people's faith. You know, Jesus talked about uh, some had little faith, weak faith, strong faith, great faith. You need to know where their faith is and then meet them on their level and then you take them to the next level. I can remember when I was preaching in Indonesia, it was right after the tsunami and there were a lot of Muslims that had come to that Sunday service and they assumed that they were born again. They thought, well, not born again, but they assumed they were a Christian because they weren't practicing the Muslim faith. But I knew they weren't born again. But I also knew I just can't go up and say, well, no, you're not born again. They would have walked out on me. (laughs) So what I did was I said... I am so happy to know that you are all Christians. And now that you're a Christian, I want to tell you how you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, they thought that was the most awesome thing they'd ever heard. And they all got born again. But see, you've got to meet them on their level. And Brother Hagan used to preach that, didn't he, Pastor John? Meet people on their level, and then you take them to the next level. And that talks about praying in the hospital settings. And there's actually a roadmap for salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So these are just uh, some of the chapters that are in this book. Would you like to have one? Okay. Now this is my brand new book. Uh, Pastor John said last night that he had just started reading it. And what do you think about the book? Great Great book. (laughs) It is. I have gotten so many uh, testimonies from this book. But it's my three miracles because I was healed of cancer, raised from my deathbed from malaria, and then uh, believed God for the disappearance of a tumor, and it actually did totally disappear. But then it talks about the journey. It's the, the journey that I took for three miracles. And so the first chapter talks about having a spirit of faith because we've all been given faith, but you have to feed your faith so that it gets to the place that it becomes a spirit of faith. And then a spirit of faith, you know what a spirit of faith is? It's like, hmm. It's an attitude where you refuse to be defeated. Amen. So it just talks about a spirit of faith. And then I talk that next chapter is when I was healed of cancer, my journey for that, the journey of the disappearance of a tumor, then the journey of being raised from my deathbed from malaria. And then I have illustrations in the back of this book that are so dynamic. But I actually have illustrations on the spirit, soul, and body. For healing, And so this is just a very powerful book. Then the last chapter talks about your miracle. Who would like to have one of these? Right here. Okay. You're welcome. God bless you. And then I still have my very, very well-known book, My Daily Delight in the Lord. And this talks about 
uh, delighting daily in the Lord, because we need to have a daily delight. You know, it's not just a once a week on Sunday or Wednesday, but it's a daily delight. And then it talks about that we are created to worship. And then it talks about third chapter on pure in his presence. We need to come pure before the Lord. Amen. And then enter his courts with praise. Then boldly proclaiming faith's confessions. Then another chapter six is on the ambassador for Christ. You are all an ambassador once you're born again. And then financial blessings, uh, victory for your family, your leaders and nations. Uh, Then how to take God's medicine. And then our covenant with God. So these are just some of the things that are, uh, these are very, very valuable tools that will really help you uh, to receive healing and to walk in all the blessings of the Lord. One last thing I had, this this has been around for a while, but it's so popular. It's called my daily power bar. For you have that? Yeah. And it talks about Proverbs chapter 4, 20 20 through 22. And then there's all kinds of healing scriptures in here. But then in the very back, there is a little prayer and it says spirit of, and then there's a little space there. And spirit of, and then whatever your infirmity is, whether it's diabetes or allergies or whatever it is, you would just say spirit of allergies. In the name of Jesus, I pull you down from your position of authority. I break the power assignment you have against me, for it is written. And then you find your healing scripture that really bears witness with what what you're believing for. And that is how you take the medicine. It is written, and then you speak that scripture. That is how you take the medicine. Amen. So those are just some of the things that we have on the back table. So don't forget to go back there because those are tools. You know, when a carpenter builds a house, he uses tools. For us to build our faith, we need tools. So that's the tool table. And Angela will be back there working at the tool table. (laughs) Thank you. So Father, we thank you so much for your word tonight. We thank you, Father God, that your word never returns void. So we pray that you would anoint our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our heart to be receptive to all that you have for us tonight. And Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Uh, If any of you want to move up a little bit closer, I know you're doing social distancing, but if you want to move up a little bit closer, because sometimes it's easier to minister when you're not... Anybody want to move up a little bit closer? You can move up closer. Hallelujah. Can I get my little bottle of water over there? Thank you, Pastor John. Thank you, everybody. What I'm going to talk about tonight is the prayer of intercession. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it says, Therefore I exhort... First of all, so that tells me right there, this is a priority with God. First of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority. And then it tells us why we want to pray that, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness. So that is the Lord's desire, that we always lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. And there is no expiration date on this scripture. So no matter what's going on, even until the Lord returns, he still wants us to lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness. So in this study on prayer of intercession, I'm going to first of all talk about the structure of intercession, then the expression of intercession, and then how intercession actually works. So intercession is a supportive ministry. It's not an office. It's not one of the fivefold ministry gifts. It's a supportive ministry. It supports the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and the evangelist. It's just like the palm of your hand. The palm of your hand supports five fingers. Intercession, prayer, intercessory prayer particularly, supports the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and the evangelist. It's not an office. It is a supportive ministry. And intercession is not just a prayer meeting. It's not just an event. But it is a lifestyle partnering with God. 
He wants us to partner with him. And in intercession, we are praying God's burden. And intercession is first mentioned in Isaiah 53. It talks about Jesus, that he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So an intercessor is one who takes the place of another in prayer. And tonight, I really want to focus just talking about uh, the United States of America. But first of all, the structure of intercession. Intercession has its foundation like that of a two-edged sword. It's a two-edged sword. One side of the sword is warfare, and the other side of the sword is travail. So it cuts on both sides. Both sides are equally sharp. Both sides have a purpose, and they each have their own purpose. And we need both sides working together. Because you are partnering with God, each side of the sword needs to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. And why is that? That we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life. So let's look at the two-edged sword. First of all, we'll look at the side that is called warfare. Now, warfare is very forceful in prayer. In, in warfare, you are facing the devil in the name of Jesus on behalf of a person or, we will say, upon America. So in warfare, it's, uh, like I said, it's very forceful. It would be as though um, you could just imagine two high-speed cars, maybe two cars at the Indy 500 going 200 miles an hour, and they have a head-on collision. That will be a very forceful impact. Would you not say so? That would be very, very forceful. It's to drive, uh, not with a hammer that I have in my kitchen with a little tap, 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 but with a sledgehammer that is just Pound and pound and pound. That's warfare. It's very, very forceful. It's pushing back the demonic attacks. It's pushing back evil plots of the wicked one. It is to be very violent against demonic attacks. I like what it says in Matthew eleven twelve, From the days of John the Baptist until now... Or we could say from the days of John the Baptist until 2020, because that would be now, right? <laughs> uh, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Now, we would have to say that's really going on right now, isn't it? But the violent take it by force. And right now, there is so much demonic activity going on, especially against the church. So we, the church, we are the church we are to be violent against these demonic attacks. You know, the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But we have to pray because not everything, I mean, nothing happens automatically with God. All of God's plans and purposes are processed through prayer. I can remember there was, um, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he had a very dynamic uh, tent ministry. Very, very dynamic. And at one of his big crusades, the Lord had spoken to them that he was going to do something very special during that crusade. And it was a week-long crusade, but nothing happened Monday, nothing on Tuesday. And finally they got to Friday and thought, well, this must be the night because God said something special was going to happen during that crusade. But Friday came and went, and they knew, well, it was a great crusade, but it, the, the special thing, it just didn't happen. And when they asked the Lord, well, you said something was special was going to happen. It didn't happen. And God said, but you didn't pray it through. You have to pray it through. So when God says something, it doesn't mean it's just poof, it's going to happen. No, we have to pray it through because all God's plans and purposes are processed through prayer. Amen. So we have the power we have that power to uh, come against these demonic attacks. And we have to rise up with that Holy Ghost fire and take back what the devil is trying to steal and what he has stolen. You just look at what's happened since March. He has stolen so many jobs. 
and businesses. The economy has been attacked. Freedom of worship has been attacked. Our constitution has been attacked. And properties have been destroyed through peaceful demonstrations. <laughs> so there's been a lot of things that have going on, has been happened. But we have the power to take these things back, amen, and to fight for freedom. You know, I've been to uh, Berlin. I've been to the Czech Republic. I've been to the Slovakia of, of Republic of uh, Slovakia, the Republic of Slovakia and Czech Republic. But I've been to these, these nations that have suffered communism. I remember once I asked one of the pastors, were you ever afraid during that time because you had an underground church? And he said, no, uh, I wasn't afraid, but it wasn't because I was so brave. It was because it was just so normal for us to hide. Every service, we had to find a different place to hide, to have service. And then he said, but as prayer got stronger in the church, communism was getting weaker. Now, I can remember back at Ramah, I'm sure Pastor John would remember too, that in prayer school, we prayed for the wall to go down. So many, many times, we just constantly were praying for the wall to go down. And then I remember the first time I stood over there in Berlin, and I am preaching, having prayed day after day at Ramah for the wall to go down, and now it's down. Never dreamt that I would be standing there preaching the gospel. It was just so moving for me. Matter of fact, one pastor in the Czech or in Slovakia, every time I come there, he brings out the American flag. Just because I'm going to preach, he brings out the American flag. But this pastor was saying, as prayer got stronger in the church, communism was getting weaker. And it was about uh, six and a half to seven weeks after the Berlin Wall went down that in Czechoslovakia, they had what they called the Velvet Revolution. Communism stopped in one day, and they called it velvet because there was no violence. They just said, well, we're done. Things can happen and turn around in just one day when you pray. It matters that we pray. Amen. It really, really matters. And we pray uh, for, for God to protect our freedom and for the righteousness to reign. So warfare is the one side of the sword. The other side of the two-edged sword is called travail. So in warfare, you're facing Satan. In travail, we're facing our Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus on behalf of, we would say, America. So in travail, it's like being a peacemaker. It's, it's gentle. You're, uh, you're, it's like you're birthing new people to come into the kingdom of God. It's like having birth pains as you're praying for people to come into the kingdom of God. So warfare is forceful. Travail is gentle. Now I want to talk about the expression of these two. So the expression of warfare, again, you're facing Satan in the name of Jesus. But sometimes in warfare, you just get so worked up, you just start shouting. You know what I mean? You just, you just want to start shouting. And that's okay. <laughs> but you don't defeat the devil by the volume of your shout. It just doesn't work that way. I can remember when I was uh, dying of malaria... And I had uh, hours left to live. The doctor said, Marilyn, if you want to say goodbye to your family, you need to call them now because this afternoon will be too late. Do you understand what I'm saying, Marilyn? He actually took the phone and put it at my side. He said, if you want to say goodbye, you need to call them now. And I thought to myself, no, God didn't heal me of cancer so that I could die of malaria. And uh, I thought, no, and all week long, and this happened within like a five-day period, I was on my deathbed, because I actually had two forms of malaria at the same time, and I was the first patient they ever had in Tulsa, Oklahoma, with all the missionaries coming out of there, I was the first patient they ever had with malaria, and then I had double malaria. And so I thought, no, I'm not going to die, and I'm going to take my authority like I did every day when I was awake enough and conscious enough. But that time I thought, you know, I want the devil to see me sitting up in bed. Now, if you've ever been around somebody when they're on their deathbed, uh, their body is very weak, very frail. There's very little volume in their throat. I mean, just, in, there's just very little volume. There's just practically nothing there. 
But I thought, but I'm going to sit up. And you know, when, you're, when you have that bulldog tenacity on the inside and that Holy Ghost fire just rises up on the inside of you, the Holy Ghost will help you in the physical realm if he needs to help you. And I took a hold of the support bars on the side of my bed and I began to pull and pull. I mean, it took all the energy I could have, could rust, muster up, but I knew the Holy Ghost was helping me. And I got in an upright position. And then in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I took authority over that spirit of, of malaria one more time. I didn't do anything different. And at that moment, it was just like the woman with the issue of blood. I actually felt I was healed of that plague. I remember I touched my stomach. And said, oh, it's gone. It's gone. My, I had a fever of 105. It broke. I mean, I just, I, I'm healed. I'm healed. But, you know, sometimes the devil just needs to sow, uh, needs to see what level is your faith. Are you going to give up or are you going to keep on fighting? You've got to just keep on fighting. And the Holy Ghost will always, he's always there to help you. So I didn't defeat the devil with volume. I had no volume. But it's by the power of the Holy Ghost that's on the inside of you. So we don't come against the devil with volume. It's spirit to spirit, not volume to demonic spirits. Amen. Amen. I like what it says in Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Hallelujah. So that's the expression of warfare. Now I want to talk about the expression of travail. Now again, travail, you're facing our Heavenly Father. It's not loud and shouts like warfare. However, sometimes in travail, um, you can begin to weep or groan. Now sometimes that can get some loudness, but uh, it's primarily a very earnest, heartfelt plead. It's as though um, you were pleading. You can just imagine if you had a child that was very, very sick, you would trade places with your child if you could. And so it's like you are just praying from the very fiber of your soul to, that you would just do anything. You're praying for the life of that child. And that is such an earnest, heartfelt. There's, it's very intense. Now, warfare can be intense, but travail, there's just another decree of intenseness with travail. Very, very intense. But sometimes you weep, sometimes you groan. And I've had people ask me, well, I don't know why I'm always crying when I pray. Well, I can tell you why. Because that is the Lord crying through you. What breaks his heart is breaking your heart. Because, see, you're partnering with him. You are in partnership with him. So you begin to feel what he feels. So whether you're a man or a woman, you begin to start weeping. Uh, um, give place to that. You do not want to resist that. But most important, it must come from your heart. You don't want to, it, it can't be of the flesh. I can remember one time I was preaching in Hong Kong. And um, after my, my ministry, there was another very prominent ministry uh, pastor there that if I told you his name, you would know who he was. He's a great person. And there was a season in his ministry that uh, there was just a lot of laughter all the time. But at this particular meeting, that was not the direction of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a laughter meeting. But there was a person in the church, she just got in the flesh, and she's just laughing and just carrying away, you know. And that can be very distracting. Now remember, in whether it's warfare or travail, it has to be of the Spirit. And now this person was in the flesh, and it's very distracting. The Holy Spirit will never distract you or anybody else. And that pastor handled it so beautifully. He said to the, he said, um, I don't remember exactly his words, but something to the effect was, he said, oh, it is so wonderful that the Holy Spirit is really moving through our sister. And so I don't want to interfere with whatever the Lord is doing through her. So it would be just so wonderful, I think, if, if one of the ushers 
would come and take her to another room so she could have this wonderful time alone with the Lord so that we wouldn't interfere in anything that God is wanting to do in her life. And the ushers caught the hint, you know. <clears throat> but if he was rude, the people would have thought, well, who does he think he is, you know? But he was so kind and gentle, and everybody thought, oh, that is so nice. He's just going to let her go and be with Jesus, you know? So, you know, but you don't want to get into the flesh because it can be very distracting, and the Holy Spirit never will distract. So there's an anointed weeping. So you want to always give place to that because if you resist that emotion, you will quench the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In 1 John 2.20, it says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. And when you're praying uh, in intercession, it's very good to spend some quality time praying in the Holy Spirit to get the leading, the direction of what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do at that time because you're partnering with God. So you always want to be praying much in the Holy Spirit. So uh, that anointing that is within you, it needs to come out. The anointing within needs to be released. Amen? Is this helping you so far? So in, I want to look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. Now this is in the Phillips translation. It says that we know that we ourselves are the children of God. But we also know that the world around us is under the power of the evil one. So when we're praying according to 1 Timothy and we pray for those in authority, those who don't know the Lord, we always want to pray for spiritual enlightenment, like it talks about in Ephesians, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened because the Lord says, pray for all who are in authority. So we don't just want to pray for special people that we know or that we like, you know, pray for all of them. And so we are all, and for even the ones that are walking with the Lord, that we all still need spiritual enlightenment. I mean, I pray for that every day. We need spiritual enlightenment. And we know that in John 10, 10, the devil comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. And he does this through deception. You know what it is to be deceived? To be deceived means to be told a lie and not know it. So that's what that is. But anything, anything and everything that's under the category of stealing, killing, and destroying, we have the authority over that. Amen? And so we need to take that authority because that is our mandate. That is our job in warfare and travail. It tells us in Luke 10, 19, Behold, I have given you authority to trample on serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Amen. So we have been giving authority to carry out God's will for America. Amen. And that's exciting to me. You know, whether uh, when you're interceding, whether it's day or night, whether it's in warfare or travail, both heaven and hell are aware of our presence. Both heaven and hell know that you're there. Amen. So whether you're travail or warfare, whether it's day or night, both heaven and hell know that you are there. So now we've looked at the structure. We've looked at the expression. And now we're going to look at the action or we're going to look at how it actually works. In Ezekiel, look at Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 30. It says, I sought I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. In the True Living Bible, it says, I looked in vain for anyone who would build again the wall of righteousness, the wall of righteousness that guards the land. We need a wall of righteousness to guard America, who could stand in the gap and defend her from my just acts. But back then it says, the Lord says, I found no one. Let this not be said on our watch. 
Amen. <laughs> I don't want that to be said on my watch. For such a time as this, we are here to fight and to protect our land and to win. Amen. We are victorious. So our responsibility in intercession is to stand in the gap and build a wall of righteousness. Our, our responsibility, stand in the gap and build a wall of righteousness. That's our responsibility. Now, our power, our power of intercession is to guard America and keep her from being destroyed by God's righteous judgment because God must judge sin because he is righteous. Therefore, he has called us and assigned us to stand in the gap for righteousness and stop the judgment. God wants none to perish. He doesn't want anybody to perish. Amen. I remember what it says in the book of Job where the devil said, you have always put a wall of protection around Job. Well, we're going to look at the wall of righteousness. Now, the wall of righteousness consists of two things. It consists of an inner wall and an outer wall. Uh, the inner wall is travail. The outer wall is warfare. So in travail, we're going to pray for those, according to 1 Timothy, we want to pray for those in authority. I always pray for they have increased discernment. Increased discernment. Uh, godly counsel. Wisdom. The wisdom of God. The mind of Christ. For physical, mental, and emotional strength. Divine protection. Divine health. Overflowing favor and boldness. Angelic assistance if need be. Nothing more wonderful than having angelic assistance. And to pray these things for the media. That the media won't be so deceived, but they will begin to speak the truth. Amen. Because we need to speak the truth. We need all men to un have spiritual enlightenment. That's uh, the inner wall of travail. Now, the outer wall of the wall of righteousness is the warfare wall. And this, again, is where you're facing Satan and you're pushing back. You're pushing back the demonic forces. You want to push back that spirit of socialism. I mean, if you've ever been to some of these countries, and when I, have, when I sit around the dinner table or the lunch table with some of these people from Czechoslovakia and, or from Slovakia and the Czech Republic, our conversation is so different than what we have in America. I can remember uh, some of the younger kids said that during the communistic time, sometimes the communists, they weren't the most tidy people, and they would just kind of throw trash out. And these kids would find an empty Coke bottle. And they took it home and they would say, someday I'm going to have a Coke, a Coke bottle full of Coke. They called it Coca-Cola back then. But we're going to have a Coke. And the women, they would find an empty soap box and put it on the kitchen windowsill and say, someday I'm going to have some soap. I will have some soap. And when I was preaching in Berlin, I asked my translator, she was a young gal, I said, do you remember what it was like when the wall was up? And she looked at me quite surprised, and she said, Do I remember? I got caught trying to escape. I got caught trying to escape. I went to prison at the age of 17 years old. And she said, Have you ever seen Checkpoint Charlie? I said, No. She said, I'm going to take you, because it's right there in Berlin. Now, Checkpoint Charlie is still there. But right down the street is Checkpoint Charlie Museum. And she took me into that museum. And I was almost in tears because I am looking at all the things in that museum with the person that identified with everything in there. They had some tours going on, but I wasn't on a tour. This person was showing me this was what my life was like when I was in prison. We got three shells of macaroni. We got three cubes of cheese, and we got bread. And the people that weren't in prison... They would get one pineapple a year. My one pastor friend, he said, I can remember the day he was, he was a young boy. Because I remember the day when my, I, was, I was sitting in the house with my parents. And all of a sudden, the door was pushed open. The communists came in and said, get out. This is our house now. We had to literally leave Maryland with the shirt on our back. And we didn't dare touch the grass. We couldn't do this. We couldn't do that. You know, I thank the Lord for these people over there because, you know, they're praying for America. 
And they said, I hope you people are praying for America. Because sometimes they said, it seems like America's kind of lazy. They don't seem to understand what would happen if they lost their freedom. The one pastor, he said to me, as prayer was getting uh, stronger in the church and communism was getting weaker, he said, I had the opportunity to cross the border and leave the east to go to the west. And he said, when I crossed the border, and I almost cried when he said this, he said, when I crossed the border, I saw freedom. He said, wow. And he said, I saw color. Because they took color away from the people. Everything was black, white, and gray. And when I first started going over there, all the panel homes, which is where the people had, were forced to live in the panel homes, they were all gray. All gray. But when I, and I go over there every year. And now, since they're free, I mean, some of the buildings are red, yellow, orange, green. I mean, you'd think you were in Tijuana. <laughs> but they're just going wild with the colors because they had no color. And they had no vegetables. They couldn't have vegetables. So we need to appreciate what we have and make sure we keep it. Need to make sure that we keep it. So the wall of righteousness, it pushes back the spirit of socialism. It pushes back violence. It, it pushes back all the attacks against our law enforcement. I've been a chaplain with the police department in Oceanside, California. This is my 18th year. And we, I have never experienced one uh, police officer out of order. I was talking to the chief the other day. I can't even do my police ride along. But I go in there and I take banana bread to the chief. The chief likes my banana bread. <laughs> and I take cookies in and I just go and see the officers and pray. Or, but I can't ride along with them. It's not, we're not allowed to do that. But in 18 years, there was never one officer out of order. And praise God, the people in Oceanside are respecting our police officers. But there's a lot of places that don't. And so we need to pray for their protection. They have taken an oath to protect us. An oath to do that. So both warfare and travail, they need to be working together. They both are equally sharp and they both have their own purpose. Now I wanna, want us to do an illustration because this will really help you to grab hold of what um, uh, the wall of righteousness really is. So I'm going to ask some of you, uh, keep your mask on, of course, but if you want to come up here and help me with an illustration, I would like, if there's one tall person that would like to come up here, to, uh, I need one tall person if possible. Do I have a tall person? Okay, you can come back here, sir, or come up here. So is this okay, Pastor John, if we... Okay. I want you to stand right here. Now, he's going to represent uh, the United States of America. He's going to represent America. Now, I want uh, three more people to come up. Three more people. Thank you, sir. We're going to build our wall. We need one more person. You come over here by him. And one more person. Can I have just one more? Who will give me five? Give me five. Give me five. Okay. <laughs> now, I want you three to hold hands around him. Stand. He's going to stand in the middle. You stand around him. Stand in the middle. You stay in the middle. And you hold hands. Okay, now we're just going to imagine this is the United States of America, and this is a wall of righteousness. This is the inner wall of righteousness. They are the prayers of travail. So they are facing God on behalf of America and praying for uh, greater discernment, for protection, for spiritual enlightenment. They're praying for the eyes of this person's understanding to be enlightened, for protection. They're just really building this person up, okay? Now, I, could I please have just five more people? Just five. Not going to hurt you. Thank you. Because it's good when you can see something like this. Now, I want you to stand around them, but I want you to have your back towards them. Two more, please. Oh, here we go. Thank you, gals. So I want you to hold hands, but your back is going to be towards them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now this, this is the outer wall. This is the wall of warfare. The inner wall is travail. The outer wall is warfare. So the outer wall is pushing back demonic attacks. They're pushing back the pressure. They're pushing back the distractions. They're pushing back the lies. 
For example, let's just say that this person, uh, rather than America, so let's just say it's somebody that's uh, on drugs and he's trying to get off of drugs or he's trying to get free of alcoholism. Now, you know that those people are going to have a lot of distractions. They want to be free, but there's going to be a lot of temptation, a lot of distraction. So as the wall, the outer wall of warfare is pushing back all those distractions, the inner wall can be much more effective in pleading the blood and, oh, and praying for that person to have the strength to do what they need to do because the outer wall is getting rid of the distractions. You see that? Well, that's how it is when you're praying for America, that you're pushing back all those lies, all those, those evil plots, so that the inner wall can be much more effective and they're not, they don't have to deal with both. So you need the outer wall and the inner wall. They both have to work together. They each, if that, this is the two-edged sword of, of intercessory prayer. And both have their own purpose. They're both equally sharp. They, it cuts on both sides. And we need both sides working together because this is partnering with God. Amen. So does that help you see the structure and the purpose and how it works? Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Hallelujah. So did that help you? Did it help anybody? Okay, thank you. Now, in closing, God's plans were established for the whole world before the foundation of time. Amen? And God's plans for America were established on godly principles. And then God has said, when God established everything, God is a God of order. So he established characters. For every nation, some nations have kings and queens, some have presidents, uh, vice presidents, governors, senators, but these are characters. I believe that God chose uh, Abraham Lincoln to play the character as one of our presidents. I believe God chose uh, Thomas Jefferson to be one of the players of his, his character role. But today, we don't have all, not, not everybody is in their rightful position, we have character roles. We do have a president. We have a vice president. We have governors, senators, uh, all kinds of people in government. Uh, now, let's just imagine that you're going to have a Christmas program. So for that Christmas pageant, we've got characters. Who do we have for character? We have the innkeeper. We have Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus, the three wise men, and the shepherds. These are the characters that are going to be in the Christmas pageant. So now we're going to ask people in the church, okay, now we need some volunteers. Who wants to play this particular character role? Well, maybe Grandpa raises his hand and he says, well, I want to be Joseph. Maybe the 12-year-old boy says, I want to be baby Jesus. Well, now Grandpa, he'd really do a better job filling in the character role as one of the wise men. We could use a little bit younger man <laughs> to be Joseph. And we really need a baby for baby Jesus. The 12-year-old, he would be the good shepherd. But you see, uh, we can have players in the wrong character role. And we need to pray that we have the right player for each character role. Amen? So that's what intercession does. It helps to get the right player in the right position that God wants him to be in. So that is our mandate. I like what it says in, in uh, Psalm 75, 6, for exaltation comes neither from the east nor the west nor the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and he exalts another. So that's, he wants to put the right people in the right character position, right? And in, again, in 1 Timothy, we pray for those in authority. Why? So we can lead that quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So I believe God is coming back for a glorious church, don't you? And when he comes back, he's going to come back for a bride. But he's going to, I believe he wants to find his bride wearing combat boots. Amen. <laughs> the bride needs to be wearing combat boots. And so... Uh, that's the message I felt the Lord wanted me to share with you tonight. I hope it was a blessing to you. And uh, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word takes deep root into our hearts and that each one of us will do our part, whether it's in travail or whether it's in warfare, to do our part, to stand in the gap and to build that wall of righteousness. 
And in closing, too, if there's anybody here, if you want prayer uh, for healing, I would love to pray for you if you, if you feel comfortable to come up here. Um, um, if you want me to lay hands on you or if you just want to stand up uh, in your seat, I can just pray that way, however you feel most comfortable. Amen. But if you want prayer, you can stand up or you can come up here either way. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise you, Lord. Don't forget the book table. Get some of those tools. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So you all comfortable with me uh, lay hands on you? or Okay. So, Father God, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are the healer. And you are our portion as we sang. So as I lay hands on my sister, I pray in the name of Jesus that no weapon formed against her will prosper, that by your stripes she is healed and whole. And I release that healing balm of Gilead to flow to every organ, every tissue, every cell in her body, bringing about a complete healing and a cure in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father God, for the blood that never loses its power. Be thou made whole, spirit, soul, and body, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that every infirmity that's attacking this body is null and void. Just like, Lord, we pray over COVID-19 and we command it to be eradicated and its effect. Every infirmity that's attacking her, we say it is eradicated, it is null and void. Be thou made whole, spirit, soul, and body, in the name of Jesus. May I lay hands on you? In the name of Jesus, Jesus, be thou made whole, spirit, soul, and body. I speak strength, strength, healing, wholeness, peace, 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 peace. Thank you, Lord, for the joy. Thank you for your peace, for your healing power. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that no weapon formed against her will prosper. That she is strengthened in might by your spirit in the inner man. I release peace. I release healing. I release healing in every organ, every tissue, every cell in her body. The bone, the blood, the marrow, every part. And every malfunction, every irregularity, every abnormality, we pull you down from your position of authority and we break the power of assignment you would have against her. For it is written by the stripes of Jesus. She is healed and whole. Now, body, come into alignment right now. Right now. Peace. Body, you be at peace. 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 Be thou made whole. Spirit, soul, and body. In Jesus' name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Be that. Now don't pray, just receive right now. In the name, the name that's above all other names, the name of Jesus. 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 Be thou made whole. Spirit, soul, and body in the name that's above all other names. The name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. All abnormalities, malfunctions have to go. We break their hold. We break their hold in Jesus' name. Be thou made whole, spirit, soul, and body. 
the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Be thou made whole, spirit, soul, and body. The name is above all other names. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. No fear. We give no place to fear. We only give place to peace and joy and healing in the Holy Ghost. So I release that healing power to flow every part of your being. In the name of Jesus, be thou made whole. Hallelujah. 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 The name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Lord, I pray a supernatural hedge of protection around him. Supernatural protection. That you keep him from all negative influences. I plead the blood of Jesus over his mind, his emotions, his thoughts, his decisions, his attitudes, and his choices. That they always line up with your divine plan and purpose for his life. I come against every infirmity. I break its hold right now. And I release the healing balm of Gilead to flow. Every organ, every tissue, every cell in his body. Be thou made whole. Spirit, soul, and body. And I thank you, Lord, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you guide him and you direct him in the way that he is to go. In Jesus' name, be thou made whole, spirit, soul, and body. In Jesus' name. You listen to the Holy Ghost. He's got something special for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I pray the word was a blessing to you tonight. And uh, take firm hold. And it's our mandate to pray. Amen. So God bless you. And thank you so much, Pastor John. Thank you so much, Marilyn. We have a lot to think about and a lot to do. But I believe that it's an important word at this time. And now we need to about doing it. Praise God. What we're going to do is we're going to, um, we can't pass a receptacle to receive an offering. But we will receive an offering as you leave.